The Other Side podcast mission is to discuss important cultural and social issues relating to race, culture, gender, and equality. Well, you know what time it is. It's time for another episode of The Other Side Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Kirk, along with my co-host, Lucas Sullivan. What's up, man? What's up? I'm excited about today. I am too, man. We got the topics. I I, love it. Oh my gosh. Don't get me revved up on, you already know, like... I'm excited about this one. I am too. So, uh, let's get right to it. Long story short, for those of you who don't know, the rapper, clothes designer, Kanye West. Shoe designer. Shoe designer. Husband to of falsehoods. <laughs> uh, husband to Kim Kardashian, father mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Uh, their their north three south children. northwest southeast. <laughs> is it one of their kids? No, name? it Did is they... north northwest. Yeah, and named, I, the, I, the yeah. third one I forgot. Yeah. It's, yeah. So basically, Kanye has been in the news recently for not good reasons. This all really first started. He started treat, uh, tweeting about President Donald Trump. Yeah. And how he was a supporter. Then he tweeted out or uh, posted an Instagram picture with a MAGA hat on, which yeah, is Make, Make America Make- Great Again. Yeah. And so with a couple white guys w- on his shoulders, with a, with a couple white guys on his shoulders. So obviously that sparked a lot of talk because people yeah. wanted to know, was he serious? Was he just doing it for attention? Where album this- promotion, they said, maybe uh, he's he, exactly he's got a, a new album supposed to be dropping soon. So it was kind of like, what, what what's this all about now? Trump did invite Kanye to Trump Tower when I'm not sure if it's when he was campaigning or maybe after the election so there is a little history there but long story short so Kanye ends up going to TMZ the website TMZ and so they asked him about what's up with him and Trump and this is what he said I don't think people necessarily understand what happened last week with the Make America America Great Great Again hat what are you trying to do with the message you're sending Well, it was really just my subconscious. It was a feeling I had, you know, like people were taught how to think. I just love Trump. That's my boy. Like when you hear about slavery for 400 years, for 400 years, that's not like a choice. (laughs) Like you was there for 400 years and it's all of y'all, you know, like it's like we're we're mentally in prison. I like the word prison because slavery goes too too direct to the uh, idea of blacks. It's like slavery, Holocaust, Holocaust Jews, uh, slavery is blacks and whites being one race. Let's just dissect this for a minute. Okay. Like, slavery is something that I've learned about, we've all learned about in a way through, basically through school. Right. You know, obviously being a white guy, you know, I don't have any history of my ancestors being slaves, so I can't fall back on that. But this whole 400 years thing is such a crock, and it's something that has been refuted and and people have written books about about how I mean black people were kept in windowless dungeons until they were bought by white Americans and to say that that's a choice to me I mean I don't know how you know how like Michael Jackson like tried to become white right but you know he never said things that right. were like white people say like sometimes about black people Kanye West is just saying stupid stuff white people would say yeah. who are who are ignorant about slavery it's like he's got some Michael Jackson in him in that regard about trying like he it seems like he just he wants to be like a Trump like he wants to be like a rich white mogul I don't know if that's like well, crazy to say he's confused like dude you're from Chicago and has is he not- confused Scott or is he ignorant uh, I think it's a mixture the reality is if he wasn't putting out albums he would still be in Chicago probably working 
working a nine to five like anybody else. And what's happened is, is that he's he's become he's gotten out of touch. Yeah. Right. He's he's famous. He's wealthy. He's hanging around the Kardashians. College dropout was so good. Living in, it in, was so in Calabasas, good. California. Yeah. And so now he's taken, which is not I mean, it's not a new thing. But basically what happens is, is when you have somebody who makes it, who becomes successful and they forget where they come from and then they're they live in this bubble. And so to him, he's thinking, well, I mean, you don't have to be slaved. You can be whatever you want, dude. You can do that when you're rich and you're famous. You can have these creative, you know, outlets and all this other stuff. But the reality is, is like you said, when you're chained and shackled on a boat or on a plantation, I don't think anybody uh, would choose to willingly do that. And for him to say that, like I said, is not only insensitive, but it's ignorant. And, you know, I'm glad that somebody was in the room to check him because he said this in a room full of people. And I think a lot of people were in shock. I think the white people didn't really know how to react. And the black people, the other black people in the room initially didn't say well, anything. I can tell you right now, no white person is going to stand up and go, Kanye, like, dude, what did you just say? Are you crazy? Like, no, if, if no white person is going to If they had of, I would have totally understood. But anyway, let's, let's listen to one of the TMZ staff who immediately responds to Kanye's slavery comment. Do you feel that I'm feeling, do you feel that I'm being free and I'm thinking free? Yes. I actually don't think you're thinking anything. I think what you're doing right now is actually the absence of thought. And the reason why I feel like that, because Kanye, you're entitled to your opinion. You're entitled to believe whatever you want. But there is fact and real world, real life consequence behind everything that you just said. And while you are making music and being an artist, and living the life that you've earned by being a genius, the rest of us in society have to deal with these threats to our lives. We have to deal with the marginalization that has come from the 400 years of slavery that you said for our people was a choice. Every day we have to walk into that truth while you choose to say things that to be honest with you, dog, are nonsensical. You wanna think freely? That's fine. I'll combat your free thought with my free thought because mine is grounded in the reality that I've been giving and the reality that I'm going to change, but I'm not going to do it by pretending that the enemies are on the same team as me. And frankly, I'm disappointed. I'm appalled. And brother, I am unbelievably hurt by the fact that you have morphed into something to me that's not real. That's the way I feel. All right. Preach, preach, brother. That was Van Lathan, who is staff member for TMZ. And man, I'm just so glad he was in the room. I'm so glad he was yeah, in the cause room. Yeah, because I don't know if anybody else would have stood up. No. I mean, and that's, you know, he talked about, he has a podcast later and I listened to it. And he was talking about how we hold too much, you know, reverence for celebrities. And I think that's why you didn't have many people who were standing up or who would have confronted right. him like that. And to eloquently stand up when you know that cameras are rolling and a room full of your peers with Kanye in the room and say potentially that, risking his job because, potentially risking his know. job that makes for good television whenever it happens but he combated what Kanye said with fact yes he and, combated and, the, and the that's ignorance. all you needed to do because what happens too much today is in, in, on all these news shows is people just say stuff and it's not based yeah. in fact so he just kept his and, comments and he based in fact he would have walked out of there and felt validated in what he yes. said because nobody challenged him and he would have thought that that was true and that's fine when you sit around with Kimmy and Chloe and them and you you want to talk and they feed into that that's fine but man let me just say this too it's dangerous there are a lot of racist people out there that sure, are, are just oh, sit around wait 
Wait until you see Kanye at a Kanye's going to show up at some kind of political event. Well, I don't know if it's going to be Trump's or whatever. Well, he He's, better hope those MAGA people buy his albums because I can't speak for all black folks, but the ones that I know, we're done. Well, they sure are buying the shoes because, I mean... Oh, yeah, his his $400... Those Yeezy shoes. Yeezys. I mean, he's selling a bunch of those. At least he says that. I mean, but I see people wearing them, and it's, you know, it's a lot of white people that are wearing them, and kids, I, white kids I see wearing them, too, because they want to be cool, and, and I see that. But that's what worries me is when you have younger kids, and I say younger... 13 to 16 that age when you start to develop these kind of thoughts and understand the world you're living in and you hear an artist that you look up to and you wear shoes say that it's hard it takes I don't know it feels like it takes like a hundred Van Lathans to stand up right, exactly. and tell Kanye he's full of it right because they'll believe their guy their celebrity that they love over I mean that's kind of why we have a celebrity president I mean that's true people it's kind of that same kind of thought that people tend to believe what that person right. says but let's put this in context this is the same person who got on TV and said George Bush doesn't care about black people yeah. during Hurricane Katrina. So where is that Kanye at? Because so do you think Kanye cares about black people anymore? I think Kanye cares about himself. Yeah. And maybe his wife and his kids. But that's really about it. Actually, I'm glad you said that because while he's saying these things, there are other artists. Vince Mensa, Chance the Rapper. I'm trying to think of, there's a bunch of common, there's a bunch of Chicago rap, hip-hop, and R&B artists. They're actually doing things. They're actually yeah. putting their money where their mouth is to help try to elevate the community and stop violence. And, and Chance has defended Kanye a little bit, though. I don't know. After this, man, I don't know. What bothers me, though, is this whole, like, you know, he's entitled to his opinion, and because he's a celebrity and he's a quote-unquote genius, he's you know, maybe, genius. maybe he's thinking on some kind of higher level than the rest of us or no sometimes you just say dumb stuff yeah like you just say things that when you have time to reflect on them you wish you wouldn't have said right and you know i even heard people speculate if he was completely lucid at that time who knows i don't know yeah when you watch the video yeah it he, does it, I mean, and i suggest for all you at home if you get a chance just just take a, a couple minutes watch the video because it does seem that he's not and he did some other things during that i mean he admitted to plastic surgery he went on a rant about a bunch of stuff he has a lot of issues besides this but but like help me out here like there have been black celebrities in the past who have and you know you hear about it you know in music and everything where a black dude gets famous and he marries a white woman mm -hmm. and that that has a connotation in the black community when you do something like that mm -hmm. or when you get money you know in a black community and then you move out into the suburb and mm -hmm. I, there's a connotation left with the people you leave behind is there a connotation or is there anything to look back on where someone of Kanye's stature who is or was revered in a black community say something like this and then something that we could point to to say okay well this is what's going to happen to Kanye now or is he is this a landmark moment for a black rapper to do something like this and we don't know how it's going to play out like is there anything we can point to I can't off the top of my head think of any rappers but I mean OJ I mean he is not the first black guy who has become rich powerful famous married a fair-skinned woman and all of a sudden sort of get caught up in this I'm above everything else I guess my question is has Kanye lost his black card like if that exists like has he lost his blackness like OJ 
OJ never, as we saw in the trial, like the the OJ trial turned into a black versus a white kind of thing. You had a lot of people in the black community but, but, who were sticking up for him. Yeah, but you also had a lot of uh, I, black people that said, you know what, this is what happened. This is what he gets for, you know, basically moving out to California, sure. dating this white woman. And now I'm not saying I said that, but there were a lot of people who basically said OJ forgot who he was. And it wasn't until he committed that crime or was suspected of committing the crime that he was reminded that he was still a black man and that he was, although the whole way it went down, you know, was a lot different than what most poor black guys would have experienced. But do you, but, do you think if Kanye apologizes, you know, all is forgiven? You know, or I, if he I, puts out a really great album, is all forgiven? You know, I, I think your music is your music, right? You know, I usually separate artists' personal lives from their music, obviously, because I would never listen to an R. Kelly song again. In terms of him being people being dumb I don't know if he can just apologize for it because the thing with it is when he said it he wasn't saying it to be malicious he said it because that's what he believes he believes it yeah so how do you apologize like if you believe that slaves black slaves were slaves because they chose to be slaves how do you come back and say well I'm sorry now you might be sorry because you said it out loud and the outrage that came with it and the backlash or that you offended me by it Mm -hmm. but that's really what you believe. Sure. So I think for me, that's the most disappointing thing. Not to mention, if you put out another album and you come out and you're talking about, you know, police violence or, you know, economic um, inequality and all these other things, you can't come back and say that after you said this mm-hmm. because people are going to be like, you know. But with that being said, you know, everybody's redeemable. I would just suggest for him, go somewhere and and just go away and be quiet. Let people miss you and then maybe come back, put out some new music, maybe do some things that are visible that would show that that you are not just sort of complaining about the problems that maybe stay away from interviews. Or think before you speak. Because this isn't the first time. Remember when he went off on Sway on Sway's radio show because Sway was just asking him a question like he was complaining that he couldn't get anybody to help him get his brand going and right. get and Sway and that he needed help and Sway was like well well why don't you impo-? and he just lost it on him and Sway was his boy like like he just lost it so this is like this isn't the first time Kanye is kind of you know going off the deep end you know when being Absolutely. interviewed yeah I mean he's it's um, a pattern. It's a pattern and he likes attention. And I think he says, I think this whole MAGA thing is straight up attention. But I think also it feeds into this belief that now that I'm wealthy, right? Mm. Now that I'm wealthy, the policies that the president puts forward, well, they're actually in my best interest. So, yeah, I'm a Trump supporter. I love Trump because why? Because I'm rich and I'm famous. Yeah. But if you're poor, black and unknown, you probably wouldn't be saying that. And and he also kind of mentions at some point. And that was that Van Lathan. Lathan. You're talking about Van Lathan's direct point to Kanye when he confronted him saying, you know, you're in that camp over there, but we got to walk into yeah, this the every rest day. of us. We don't have that luxury. So I, you harm us by saying yeah. this stuff. And yes, you. I mean, I'm I'm telling you, man. And there's so many people out there that will use this as as justification to you know mistreat other people of color or to you know just do all kinds of things. And the first thing they'll say is, you know, I can only imagine what the chat boards say because now every time somebody black says something or or, or has a grievance or or makes a point, you know what they'll say? They're gonna throw that Kanye stuff. Well, you guys, you know, if you make less money than everybody else, it's because you choose to. Yeah. If you were if you were slaves is because you chose to and so his words like the guy said have a lot more weight and 
power behind them than most people. And so I think you have to take that responsibility like with the utmost seriousness. Yeah. You're rich, dude. You have a publicist, I'm sure. You could have had somebody put together a state. First of all, you should have never done the interview at all. But if you were going to comment, think about have somebody write it out so that you're just not out there saying crazy things. Yeah. yeah. Anything else? No. Well, today we're joined by Connie Hammond from the local chapter of the Jewish Voice for Peace organization. So, Connie, basically, we wanted to uh, talk to you today because over the last few weeks, especially this week, there's been a lot of violent protests or turmoil in Israel, a lot of it's related to the opening of the U.S. Embassy in, in Jerusalem. And so a lot of the Palestinian people that live in the area, obviously, they've been protest They protested before, but it's been heightened because of what's going on. Israel's responded. It's been taking some criticism for its uh, response being disproportionate to the protest. And so we just kind of want to get your thoughts on it. Okay, well, I've worked in this area for decades with a lot of different groups, not just with Jewish Voice for Peace, but we started organizing to have a rally last night, and we also had a teach-in about the Nakba last Saturday, and this was... I think we need to put this in context of what's going on in Gaza, not just the embassy move, which was a was a really, we think, a very bad decision on the part of this administration. But I think what we need to realize is that, especially in Gaza, um, this is the 70th year since um, the formation of the State of Israel. And in 1948, over 750,000 people were displaced from their homes and, and made refugees. And in the situation in Gaza is that, you know, it's a very small area and they're populated by 2 million people and over half of these people are refugees. And every year, on the, the Nakba, they do have demonstrations, but this year they're emphasizing the right of return of refugees, which is guaranteed under international law. And over half of the people in Gaza, about 1.3 million are refugees, and they started these demonstrations at the border wall in Gaza on March 30th. And at least over 40 people, about 44 people were killed for approaching the wall. And then on the day that the embassy moved, over 50 people were killed approaching the wall. And I think we have to remember that Gaza for 10 years has been under a total siege and blockade. They're, they People cannot leave and people can, they can't export goods, their fishing rights are controlled. They have no airport. They have no... Everything is controlled that comes in and out of Gaza. And their infrastructure has been, has been terribly damaged to the point that the United Nations has stated that within two years, this area is unlivable. This is getting to the point where it's a very desperate situation for these people. Yeah. This is why they're willing to risk life and limb to exercise their right of return to their village, which is guaranteed under international law. Hey, Connie, you mentioned that you that you held a rally last night, and in judging by what I see on social media, there's a lot of talk of, you know, peaceful rallies and, and coming together and no hate speech and no signs. And so I was wondering if you can kind of talk about a little about uh, the purpose of the rallies here in Central Ohio and just why people in this area should care about what's happening in Gaza. 
Well, for a lot of reasons. First, you know, because in talking to people before the rally, we really, when we were planning this, which we've been planning for months, because we we figured, we feel that the 70th anniversary of the Nakba is very significant historically, and it's something that a lot of people don't even know about. I mean, we celebrate the creation of Israel, and there are celebrations for that, but people don't realize what happened in 1948 to the Palestinian people. A lot of that seems to be kind of, it's a part of history that just seems to be people want to erase. So we wanted to draw attention to that. But as the violence and the the lethal force that was being used against these demonstrators increased, I just sensed from talking to people that the anger was mounting Mm. over, you know, and just people were just feeling absolutely appalled by what was going on and it really was a good thing to do but to have this rally and and let and people were able to express their feelings of remorse and and sorrow over what was going on we intend to do a lot of other things as well and you were Um, you had people from you know kind of from all sides of this issue right Everybody was welcome to come, okay. and so we were joined by the International Socialist Organization, OSU, and the Students for Justice in Palestine, and a lot of other a lot of other people that are interested. I personally also work with United Methodists for Kairos Response, mm. and you know the churches have U.S. churches have made a statement about of their concerning what's going on and, and the use of this lethal force against unarmed unarmed demonstrators and as a violation of uh, international law and the use of lethal force against unarmed demonstrators could constitute war crime and I think it's very important that we as United States citizens realize that we are supplying the arms, that we send $3.8 billion of military assistance to Israel. So this makes, to my way of thinking, it makes the United States complicit possible war crimes. Connie, just so I can get clarifications, the organization Jewish Boys for Peace is primarily made up of Jewish Americans that are advocating for the Palestinian cause. Is that a good way to describe it? Right. And Jewish Voice for Peace believes that all people, people in Israel, and, and this is why I'm so impressed with this organization, it believes that people, that both the Israelis and Palestinians deserve the right to live with peace and security and dignity and we believe that a peaceful solution that would bring justice and and peace and observe the human rights of Palestinians would be in the best interest of both Israelis and Palestinians. I was just going to say I find that fascinating but what I think would probably be even more fascinating so what is the reaction from other Jewish Americans who are staunch supporters of Israel like how do they react to you or, or members of your organization who are Jewish as well kind of splits you know both sides kind of split down the middle how does that work or how do you make the argument to other Jewish people that what Israel is doing is is not always right and the Palestinians have have a valid argument like how do you make that how do you have that discussion you know it's very difficult and generally generally they won't discuss things with us people who are who are staunch Zionists it's a terrible divide but I know that there are so many people in Jewish Voice for Peace that are just absolutely heartbroken by what is going on and just as much as many of us 
are in, in the Palestinians. But it is, it's a very difficult situation. But more and more we're seeing people, the sense that everything that Israel does is in, in terms of defense is not being accepted by more and more Jewish people all the time, especially younger people. And, and you see this amongst the younger generation, that they just don't feel this total allegiance to the whole program that is going on in Israel. And I think even when, just would like to mention that when we talk about this fence in Gaza, the border between Gaza and Israel, where the fence is, is not actually on the border. This fence and the and the security zone on the on the Gaza side of the fence takes a third of the arable land of Gaza, and this just is not right. It's just like the wall, the separation wall that Israel has built around the West Bay, it goes into, it's not along the Green Line, it goes into Palestinian territory. And then on top of that, Israel has built within the West Bay Jewish-only settlements, and that is also a violation of international law. Even under an occupation, it's a violation of international law to insert a civilian population into an occupied area. That area does not belong to Israel. And we're not against Israel's right to exist, but we feel like the continued expansion of settlements and the destruction of Palestinian homes and olive trees and is just simply making a two-state solution more and more impossible every day. In fact, it may have already done so. So do you think we've crossed a line that we can't go back from? Or is the opening of this embassy, is that, I mean, because the Palestinians are pretty much saying, we're done even talking to the United States because the United States can no longer claim that it's a fair and impartial broker. So where do we go from here? That is the million-dollar question. I wish I knew the answer, but I really think that we are at a tipping point, and I'm hoping that some resolution comes about. I mean, we've seen this in other conflicts, like in South Africa and in Northern Ireland, where things look extremely uh, impossible, and then all of a sudden, you know, a solution is made. But it's really up to the Israelis and the Palestinians what they want to do. And I think this move of the embassy was a very, very bad move. I mean, even when you look at the juxtaposition of the celebration of this embassy against the pictures of people being killed in Gaza, it's appalling. It, it's just breathtaking to think that, that this could be going on. But recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel was the, is the big thing, not the embassy move. I think that the embassy move was largely symbolic because most of the business will still be going on in Tel Aviv. But this was supposed to be part of the of the Oslo Accords, and it was supposed to be negotiated. It was most of the other countries in the world keep their embassies in Tel Aviv. So it just doesn't make any sense. Other administrations have refused to do this. Hey, Connie, we want to thank you for coming on, and I know this is a complex topic, and as you highlighted, it has been going on for decades now. It's not, yeah. an, it's not an easy situation to talk about. We wanted to have you on because anybody who dedicates um, this amount of time and, and uh, you know, holds a, a peaceful, thoughtful discussion, uh, we thought deserved, you know, to be heard and for people to hear them out. So if, if you're listening to this and if anything that Connie said, you know, rubbed you the wrong way or, or uh, you know, you have some rebuttals, uh, at least, you know, the 
discussions that you're having out there in the community are peaceful and and trying to be constructive. So thank you for that. Yes, thank you so uh, much. Thank you, and and thank you for allowing me to put this into some context. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Okay, well, thank you, and have a good day, Connie. Thanks, Connie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, that's another lively discussion. And uh, once again, we want to thank Connie Hammond from the Jewish Voice for Peace. You can always find more of Lucas's work online. You can email him and you can also email me. Email is lsullivan at dispatch.com. Am I supposed to get mine? You don't have to. Okay. Yeah. If you want to email me, I guess figure it out. So anyway, (laughs) uh, thanks again for joining us. And don't forget to try to see things from the other side.